um, Judges 4, um, verses 4 through 10. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Abadoth, was leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will de deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. There, Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went under his command. Deborah also went up with him. The word of God for the people of God. Okay, so <laughs> um, my name is Whit Norris. Um, my wife is Nick, and she is going to be speaking today. Um, I think she's a little nervous, but I'm super excited. Um, and because Deborah is her favorite story in all of the Bible, and for years she actually had a shirt about Judges 4 and 5. Um, and so, like, when that was on the um, sermon series, and uh, I didn't really want to pressure her into doing it, but um, I did a little bit, and Juan Pablo did a little bit, and so thankfully we get to hear her today. And so, my wife, Nick. morning. Uh, I can promise, took that in my living room. <laughs> I never expected to be standing up here. Um, I am very shy and very introverted. Um, I have a lot of opinions, but tend to, you know, hold those pretty close. Uh, however, sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks really loudly and I try hard uh, to not ignore that whenever I really, really want to. <laughs> um, when Juan Pablo sent out the list of topics for this sermon series, um, Deborah, who like Whit said is one of my favorite Bible stories, happened to fall on my birthday. So here we are. Um, the Holy Spirit is sassy sometimes. <laughs> Let me start with a quick, quick prayer. Creator God, thank you for everyone gathered here this morning, both in this room and online. We ask that you would inspire our hearts today. Come fill our lives with your love and our conversations with your grace and truth. In your holy name, amen. Um, Deborah's story is one I've talked about a lot over the years. Again, like Whit said, I have a shirt. I should have worn it today, but I didn't. It's old. <laughs> um, she was a prophetess and a songwriter and a well-respected leader, and I believe her story points us to embody her boldness and leadership. But before we get to her, I want to start by talking about how biblical womanhood was framed for me, a cisgender, presumed at the time straight woman. Um, I got married at 22 to a man. I am clearly no longer married to a man because I am gay. Um, but what this meant for me, a young married woman in the South, was I found community through our evangelical church. Um, at one point in my faith journey, I remember earnestly praying and feeling shame and guilt over the fact that I was the clear spiritual leader in our home. 
I was being taught that I was supposed to follow my husband's faith. My own faith was somehow incomplete without his faith guiding our lives. I used to listen to and sing a worship song by Sanctus Real called Lead Me. Some of the lyrics say, I see my beautiful wife always smiling, but on the inside I can hear her saying, lead me with strong hands. It was a prayer to God to make my husband step up and to be the so-called spiritual leader that I felt he was called to be. Um, how harmful was it for me to feel like having my own faith wasn't enough? Um, I went to many women's events, conferences, and Bible studies, and almost every single one of them told me what they thought I should be doing to be the best woman, which often meant wife and mother, that I could possibly be. Typically, they pointed to Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, and the Proverbs 31 woman, um, who is sometimes called the wife of noble character. Uh, I'm going to read a few descriptions of this woman from the message translation. She is never spiteful. She shops for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. She is up before dawn, preparing breakfast for her family and organizing her day. She dresses for work first thing in the morning, rolling up her sleeves and eager to get started. She also senses the worth of her work and is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. <laughs> she is diligent in homemaking. She assists anyone in need and reaches out to help the poor. She doesn't worry about her family when it snows because she has all of their winter clothes mended. Uh, she makes her own clothing, designs and sells gowns, and takes all of her knitting to the dress shops, and her clothes are well-made and elegant. <laughs> it, this part, she always faces tomorrow with a smile. <laughs> she speaks kindly and has something worthwhile to say. She keeps everyone in her household busy and productive and her children respect and bless her, and her husband praises her. The whole vibe of these teachings was essentially, we're going to form you into this woman, and this is the right way to live your life. While on the surface, none of these verses are bad, it is impossible to be this woman and sets very specific goals that many women can't or don't want to attain. This isn't a measuring stick. This is a way to get women in line. Additionally, teaching on this so often meant that we ignored other women in the Bible. When we focus on the wider context of biblical teaching should be, it makes much more sense to teach about women who weren't just there to serve their husbands and children. So this brings us to a couple of the other women who I wish had been the focus of at least some of the studies when I was in my 20s. Deborah is the primary topic of today, but I'm going to talk about Yael, another important woman in her story also. Judges 4 and 5 present two versions of the same story. Chapter 4 in prose and chapter 5 in poetry. For context, the time of the judges was after all the Israelites have come back to the promised land from Egypt. They are out of slavery, but they have not yet established themselves in a fixed place. A recurring theme of the historical books of the Hebrew scripture is the Israelites not doing what God wanted them to do, and then, sending then God sending prophets to fix it, <laughs> basically, um, get them back on track. During this time in Judges, God sent both prophets to guide and judges to rule in the name of God. Today's scripture names Deborah as both a prophet and a judge. She held court under the palm trees, and the people of Israel came to her in matters of justice. She was pretty fierce. During the time of Deborah, a man named Barak was Israel's military commander. Barak came to Deborah to ask how to handle the Canaanites and their leader, King Jabin, and Sisera, their mil military commander. Deborah told him, 
God says to position the military at Mount Tabor. He doesn't immediately jump, but instead asks her to go with him, saying he won't go if she doesn't join. I like the way the message portrays her response. She said, of course I'll go with you, but understand with an attitude like that, there'll be no glory in it for you. God will use a woman's hand to take care of Sisera. Finally, Brock does what Deborah says and goes to Mount Tabor with Deborah and an army of about 10,000 men. Um, a torrential storm assisted the Israelites by render, rendering the chariots of the Canaanites useless in the mud, and the Canaanites decisively lost the battle. The role of women in this story is significant and does not end with Deborah. As promised, Barak did not capture or kill Sisera. Instead, Sisera escaped the battle and fled for safety at the tent of a man named Heber. There he found Yael, Heber's wife. She covered him with a blanket and gave him some milk. Sisera commanded her to stand guard at the tent and tell anyone that came by he wasn't there. But instead of following this man's orders and standing guard as instructed, Yael waited for Sisera to fall asleep, then took a hammer and drove a tent peg through his temple. Barak arrived at the tent looking for Sisera, and Yael showed him Sisera's body. Just as God promised and Deborah prophesied, Sisera was delivered into the hand of a woman. Deborah's song of victory in chapter 5 dated about 1100 BCE, is one of the oldest poems in the Hebrew Bible. The song praises the victory as a battle, victory in battle as a mighty act of Yahweh over the Canaanites. And here, stripped of any other context, is that 3,000 years ago, the prophet called by God to guide and bring justice was Deborah, a woman. 3,000 years ago, God was speaking through the voices of women on earth. What do we learn from this? Well, first and foremost for me, women in the Bible weren't just wives, mothers, or homemakers. The Proverbs 31 woman isn't the goal of God. We realize that God has been speaking through all genders for all time. This tells me that God has no need to separate their people into gender roles, but has plans for each of us, plans that aren't cookie cutter specific labels or boxes to fit in. The diversity of God's plans in our lives is what makes the kingdom so right and beautiful. We are all loved children of God. Deborah shows us that sometimes, even in the midst of a patriarchal society steeped in war, God called a woman to lead. Yale shows us that God called a woman to cunningly assassinate the invading enemy leader. Deborah was called to rule in war, and she did it without fear and gave strength to her people. We know this story because God called Deborah to lead at this exact time and in this place. She led not by following the footsteps of men, but by walking her own God-paved path. When the Holy Spirit comes to us, she isn't trying to mold us into some Proverbs 31 homogenous faith body. God comes to us as unique individuals with our own relationships to them and our own gifts to offer, just as they did with Deborah and just as they did with Yale. None of us should be trying to fit the Proverbs 31 mold as it has been presented. With that, I would like to close by offering a fresh perspective on the Proverbs 31 interpretation. In the Old Testament, the word wisdom is often referenced with feminine pronouns. If we remember that the book of Proverbs is a collection of sayings and teachings that are not meant as literal facts, we can see how Proverbs 31 can be viewed as a personification of wisdom. Wisdom isn't spiteful. Wisdom helps those in need. We know it is absolutely wise to be prepared for snow. <laughs> in that framework, this would then be the embodiment of God as a woman, not a standard to which we should hold all women. So, in the word, wise words of John Michael Bagley, how then shall we live? 
We need to remember that our calling may not look like everyone else's. Sometimes, in religious spaces, sameness is encouraged. But what Judges 4 and 5 has taught me over the years is that a spiritual woman or spiritual person of any gender doesn't have to look like what everyone else seems to look like. Deborah is a Proverbs 31 woman. Yale is a Proverbs 31 woman. Not because they were wives or mothers or because they kept a tidy house, but because they walked the path God had for them with wisdom and intention.